Seinfeld. The money is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who are never trying to stick it to you. I'm Rob Sisterino. Here's Wheels Wieneker. Wheels, how are you? I thought you were going to say, here are two guys who don't have Jimmy legs. No, no. Do you have Jimmy legs? I don't know. I mean, I'm asleep. You'd have to ask like other people. But you, oh, you could have also gone with two, you know, the two biggest Ant Baby super fans on the planet. <laughs> Poor Ant Baby. She couldn't make it if she was around today. <laughs> so it's time to talk about another terribly named episode, The Money from January 16th. 1997, uh, written by uh, our good friend Peter Melman. The money, Keeve. Yeah, you're right. It is a really bad name. And I was trying to think of a better name, and I don't really have a great one. You could do the Jimmy Legs, but we also have an episode called The Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So is that a little bit like the soup and the soup Nazi type thing? Do you have a better name than The Money? <sighs> Boy, uh, we have Jerry trying to buy the Cadillac back from Jack Klumpus. Uh We have George trying to figure out the inheritance. Uh, how about that? It's it's a little bit roundabout because it's, it's not the main storyline and it's also like the word is never really said. Like, it's not a terrible idea, mm-hmm. uh, the inheritance. That, that's, I, wouldn't, I don't hate it. I mean, obviously, you can't use the Cadillac. It's already used. Yeah. Um, a lot of other things are like a little bit too uh, cute or like under the radar. So. You know what my biggest problem is with it? It's not money. It's the. We're talking about money sort of like as the theme of the episode. But there is very little actual money that we're talking about in the episode. If the episode was just called money, I think that that would actually be a lot better than the money. There is no specific money that we're dealing with in this episode. It's a good point. I really don't. I, I just don't have a better name, to be honest. Like, I mm-hmm. can't. I There aren't a lot of, like, classic sort of, like, one-off, you know, lines or something in this episode that I could really. Uh, yeah. Even if it was, name. like, the finances. I feel like that that would be more appropriate than the money. I think I think the inheritance is the winner. I think yeah. that's actually pretty decent. We did it. Okay, we cracked the code. So uh, we have a lot to get to uh, once again. Uh, Keith, first, a retraction on last week's episode that we told you guys that the next episode uh, was coming up and it was the wrong one. Yeah, I, I've said to you off air before, like my biggest nightmare is like we get ready for the podcast. I show up and I've accidentally re- watched and taken notes on the wrong episode. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I didn't do that, but I probably made a couple people uh, do it themselves. Uh, the good news is, like, if you sent in the comeback notes or you already watched the episode, you're just ahead of next week's homework. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if a teacher says, like, oh, no, no, you know, I'm giving you guys an extension that uh, that assignment's not due till next Thursday. Yeah. So we might have a light mailbag, big mailbag. Uh, really, I think every single person who accidentally sent in the comeback also sent in the money. So we're, we're not really missing anything, but it was my bad. Uh, and I, uh, I, I don't promise to never do it again, but hopefully we'll run of it. We'll run out of episodes before, I, uh, <laughs> before you do it too many more times. Okay. And, uh, wheels, how did you do, uh, at your Super Bowl party? You had a, a big prediction. You predicted a, a big Falcons blowout. Yeah. I was looking great when it was 28 to three. Yeah. Uh, I was also going to like, if the Falcons won, I was going to win like a lot of money in gambling and oh, it was a lose lose it was a lose lose the patriots won i like i don't even know if i brought my wallet upstairs like there was nothing in it by the end of the super bowl <laughs> like, wow i had such high hopes and and I, I really lost on everything um and usually i root for a close game but i hate the patriots so much that i i was fine with them losing <laughs> yes. like 42 to 3 it wasn't so enough it really... to see them lose you wanted like a humiliating loss yeah and, and by the end i obviously would have settled for them losing but it, it was just painful it went on too long and uh 
you know, now I'm almost happy football's gone for seven months. Yeah, I hear you where I wasn't like super paying close attention to the game. And I know we're losing people on this, but, you know, I was, you know, having a, a nice time and I was dealing with, you know, we were cooking stuff. It was really just a, my very intimate Super Bowl party. And then by the end of it, like my wife is talking to me about stuff and I'm just like, like, I can't right now. All right. Like, she's like, uh, you know, what? what's with you? Like, I like I'm having a bad night. Yeah, it really was a bad night. Yeah. That, like, I can't talk. Just, whatever why, you're why can't talking it be about right now. Like, uh, like, like, wait, how was yeah. the food at least? Uh, it was OK. Uh, where we made some pizza and I got a pizza stone and I, I need to really uh, work on getting the dough uh, flatter and less sticky. So that's yeah. A- I think I lost our pizza stone because my wife always mentions that like, oh, you got to give me a new one. I lo- you lost the pizza stone. Yeah. OK, well, let's get into talking about the money from January 16th, 1997. And unlike most of the episodes in this season that sort of begin with a non sequitur, we start this episode off with a scene of Kramer in bed with a familiar face. Hey, that's Sarah Silverman. Yeah, it is funny. I feel like Sarah Silverman doesn't really age. Hmm. Yeah, I did not remember her as being one of Kramer's girlfriends. And it's weird to have sort of like a famous person who's not one of Jerry's girlfriends or George's girlfriends. Like, I don't feel like that most of the women that have played a Kramer girlfriend have gone on to uh, a lot of success following Seinfeld. Right. He definitely rank uh, last. I would say the, um, you know, Elaine has some famous uh, boyfriends, but you're right. Kramer does not really have the murderer's row of of celebrity girls. (laughs) Yeah. So here's Sarah Silverman and uh, two things going on in this relationship. They have some great intercourse and also uh, it's hard for them to get some sleep then in the same bed. Not compatible. I, I was also thinking, like, this is such a, um, like, it's a very Manhattan story because why, you know, why can't one of them, uh, you know, just sleep in the other bedroom? Like, if it was in, if it was in a, a house, mm-hmm. you just have two bedrooms. Like, you don't have to leave, or even like a couch. But maybe she has a roommate, you know, or or she doesn't have a sleeping couch because it's a small apartment. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kramer seems to have a studio, so in his apartment, it's not even an option. So that. This is all playing out in Kramer's apartment, though, right? Um, well, I mean, Morty no, Seinfeld think... is like pulling on the doorknob at Kramer's apartment later. So I think this is all at Kramer's. No, we don't, because that's when Kramer has gone has left uh, Emily. It's all in Emily's house. This is starting at Emily's house. Yeah, no, but when Kramer's sleeping, that's that is um, he has left Emily because he can't sleep, and then he goes, and then and then Morty does the the doorknob stuff. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel so sure it's Emily's apartment? Because Kramer is the one who leaves. Hmm. Definitely in the in the one where he ends up leaving. It's, it's I thought uh, he just goes Emily. to the couch in his own apartment. Uh, I'm not sure. We may need the audience to uh, break the tie on this one. It's possible. Yeah. OK. All right. Uh, neither of us uh, know a lot about what's going on in these uh, bedrooms. Although look at you. How many kids do you have now? <laughs> Soon to be four. Four. OK. So, you know, something. Anyway, so that we see like a montage of Emily is like uh, rolling all over the place and Kramer can't sleep and he just eventually just like uh, falls off the bed. Uh, yeah. I, by the way, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Like kid come in the middle of the night, like just straight knock me off. Oh, the bed. yeah. It's happened to me. Yeah. My kids have the Jimmy leg. All kids have Jimmy legs. Like yeah. kids are big kickers. They don't learn how to sleep till you're like an adult. Mm-hmm. And I got to say also, uh, my wife has uh, a bit of the Jimmy legs also. I'm like a corpse. Yeah, so am I. I wouldn't even know if people kick me in my sleep. It's just like the kids come in and like I'm still awake and they're kicking because they're already asleep. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like I, I would rather sleep on the floor. I might be like a point. UFC fighter in my sleep. I, will, I would never know because I'm such a heavy sleeper. <laughs> okay. Uh, Morty and Helen are here and uh, they have luggage. They can only stay for a couple of days. 
uh, they tell Jerry. And uh, so they are on a, uh, a big trip uh, after they sold the Cadillac to Jack Klompas. Maybe the worst deal in the history of like any sort of finance. No, it really is a terrible deal because you and I talked about how much is this Cadillac worth when Jerry bought it for them. The whole series is about how Morty Seinfeld is so cheap. And then he takes like pennies on the dollar to sell this Cadillac to Jack Klompas. It's so unlike him. Like, it's very bizarre. I mean, I guess it's different. Like, now you can just put it on eBay. And even if it was worth like 20, you'd get, there's no way you'd get less than 15 that minute. Whereas then it's like, where are you reselling it? Are you going to like a lot? But it, Morty Seinfeld's whole life is based around saving a dollar. So like, he would have been willing to fly to the moon to save a thousand dollars here. It's really strange. Right. When he's going to go into business with Kramer, he gets into like a death feud over 60-40 versus 50-50. It's really like uh, that he never makes bad business deals. Yet here, they never explain why he takes so little for the caddy. Yeah, they should. They probably should have given like a, a reason why like he needed to sell it by a certain day or tax reason or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Kramer comes in, starts talking about, boy, Emily is really wearing me out and he doesn't see a Morty and Helen Jerry says, oh, you know, Ixnay on, and uh, no, it's not the sex that he can't get any good sleep in there. That's we uh, get that established there with Kramer. Yeah, I'll give you a hot take. I don't think any couples should sleep in the same room. Okay, not even the same room. I think you're gonna say same bed. Yeah, I mean, well, there's two different things. There's the the bed is like is the kicking in the space, and but then the room is also like if you snore, then moving, and that's why like it doesn't really make sense when Sarah Silverman's like. Well, you yell in your sleep and then they just sleep in the Kansas right. house in bed like that doesn't really solve the yelling. In their sleep. Maybe it, it, lo- it like lessens the volume. It's not like in your ear. Bed. Right. But um, I just I don't think and I'm not saying I do this. I'm just saying like ideally everyone should do this where the, you have the you have like the, the snoring. And also like I don't know if you have this, but my wife and I go to sleep like hours apart from each other. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like I'll come in and our, our room will be like pitch black. And either I could like, you know, turn like my phone even sometimes is so bright it'll wake her. Um, or oh, how bright is your phone? Not like not. But like if my drawer is like near her head or whatever. <laughs> but um, or like she's just a lighter sleeper than me. Or I'm like getting dressed in the dark and the next morning I have like my my like pajama shirt inside out. Yeah. I'm wearing like the wrong pair of pants or, you know, like I don't I have no idea like what. And then I can't find stuff. It's it's a big mess like to, to get dressed. And then in the morning also, like I've gotten dressed in, in the dark and like gone this gone to work and been like you know i'm i'm wearing like a dirty pair of pants accidentally you know what um i will say that uh i'm on board that's fine that's fine i mean i kind of do have that set up like i do sleep in the same room as my wife like at nighttime but like basically like my office is sort of like my other bedroom and and like during the day if i need to like go to sleep for like 10 15 minutes i can't keep my eyes open if I ever went downstairs and like tried to take a nap in front of her, then she would just like her head would explode of like, what, mm-hmm. what, how come you get to take a nap? So, you know, I do sort of have my own bedroom like off on the side. And then like if I get into a fight with her or like I just like uh, I can't deal with whatever is going on. And she decides like uh, like, no, one of the kids needs to sleep in the bed. I, you know, I just retire to my quarters. It is, uh, uh, by the way, the greatest nap you can ever have. Is because I have the same thing. I have an office here, and if I can get like a nap in my office, let's say during the day for a half hour, and she doesn't know I took a nap, yeah. that's like a triple nap. Well, Keith, I, I mean, this room here is soundproof, so 
uh, this is where I retire to. I have like a mat, like a kindergarten kid would have, like for nap time on the uh, over on the side. Yeah, I have a full bed in here. The only thing oh, is, well, look at you, what a one upper. Yeah, you could pull, you could like put a. <laughs> Um, like a sign on the door, like, you know, don't come in podcasting. I don't know if you have anything like that. Like, <laughs> you know, studio's light. hot. Don't, yeah. don't come, you know, like the, uh, but, but I can't really do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you um, should get, I guess I could fake podcasting with you, but then like, she'd hear me not talking. Mm-hmm. Well, you should be playing a podcast. Of, Ooh, that's good. Of that's good. You talking. Yeah. Like really, really like going to like Ferris Bueller mode. I think it's, but then I'd only have to have my audio, but I I feel like I could, I could make a, like a track of just my audio. Yeah. I'm sure Scott like, St. Pierre could help you with that. Well, I have it. I, th- I think on the Zencaster we have, <laughs> I, I literally have it every episode. Um, I, that's a brilliant idea. I'm really going to try this tomorrow. I'm going to let you know how it works next week. Okay. And then would she get tipped off if it was the same podcast playing every single day oh, or she would stop. never You're know? You're asking the like. stupidest question. I could literally, <laughs> unless I'm talking about her, like the only thing she'll hear. She has like incredible hearing. So if I'm talking about her, like I'm surprised she hasn't barged in yet. She must be asleep. But the like, if, if it's not about her or like the kids or something, like she, I, I don't even know if she knows what show we podcast about. To be honest, <laughs> That'd be <a> good quiz. <laughs> All right, so back to uh, the Cadillac. Uh, Jerry says, "Oh, you love that car. You know what about the uh, the North Star system? They never even tried it, and." So they talked about how uh, they they came up here at this specific uh, point in time. What what was the reason exactly why? I know they said they wanted the plane ticket and they wanted a bulkhead row. Was there any reason why they needed to be there? Why well, they got free plane tickets, but then it, it wasn't. It's not clear why. Okay, the flight and, is free. So we have more of this idea that we talked about on last week's episode where. Helen is trying to talk Jerry out of the stand-up comedy career. She has cut an article out of the newspaper that talks about how comedy is not what it used to be, not since Def Jam took over. Yeah, Def Jam was really big in the 90s. People probably, like our millennial listeners, probably don't even know what that is, but it was taken <laughs> over for a while. Yeah. And I like that she has the article clipped out, and she's been hearing wonderful things about the Bloomingdale's executive training program. And Kramer, uh, you know, he is piling on says, look, you gave this your best shot. You had some good observations, but it's over. Now, this Bloomingdale's thing, that could really be the next wave. It is funny that they keep trying to talk him out of the um, out of out of doing comedy. But it's just amazing that like Kramer is like, yeah, you're right. You don't you need like Kramer's well-being really is dependent on what Jerry does. So it's funny that like Kramer's pulling the plug on the comedy career also. I mean, this is really two weeks in a row where Kramer is just piling on Jerry that it's over. You know, little Jerry Seinfeld could do something with that name that you never could. Like, uh, you know, he's a star. You were never was. (laughs) It's great. But I just feel like that they do end up half-assing this idea where we're going to see in this episode where Jerry has money problems. But by the end of the episode, he like sort of like shrugs it off and denies that he has any money problems and says that, you know, he's still pretty wealthy. Yeah, they don't commit to it, I guess, because it's like not a funny thing for them to like continue in future episodes. So he, you're right. He does just say like, nah, not really. I don't. But like he did max out his credit cards. Like that's not an ideal situation, even though he did spend like a, a solid amount of money on these uh, on, on like the back and forth with the car. Yeah. OK, well, we could talk that through more when we get to the end of the episode. So, all right. Uh, we're at some new fancy coffee shop. What is this place, Keith? It's just like a fan. It's like a precursor to Starbucks. Precursor to Starbucks. And George is getting his uh, special coffee grounds. And 
So um, he's getting this uh, fancy blend. Elaine picks it up. And Elaine's also talking about like her investments. And uh, Jerry has a good line where he says to her, yeah, when it's your money, it's fascinating. Uh, they say that also about your dreams and fantasy football teams. I think that those That's are the right. things that like when it's yours, <laughs> it's fascinating. Hearing about anybody else's is torture. That's true. Although, I, I, know, I mean, stock options are boring, but I, it, I think it's interesting to know like how much money people have that I don't think I don't think that really works. Um, I think uh, if somebody's just telling you like what investments they have. Right. If someone's like, oh, I have, you know, shares of Coca-Cola and I sold them like that's super boring. Mm-hmm. But if people are giving hard numbers, I, I don't know. I find that interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's what Elaine's doing. There, she's talking about okay you know, the, these specific investments, and, right? And, and, and if so, stocks. right. If someone's talking about their like, yeah, no, you're right, like that's mutual right. funds and things like that. Okay, so uh, Elaine pays for George's coffee. We see George gets upset. She's sticking it to him. Heave, are you on board? Was Elaine sticking it to George? No, she was just like, I. This is, it probably was a time thing more than a money thing, right? It's like, I want to get out of here. I paid for your coffee. You were in the bathroom. Like, you'll get me next time. Yeah. Are you a believer when people are paying for things? They're sticking it to you? No. Anybody wants to pay for anything for me, go right ahead. Yeah. Stick it to me all day long. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if I've been in uh, that type of uh, situation. Somebody is paying for something to stick it to me. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's happened. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Okay. So George and Jerry, uh, they're talking and uh, we see that Jerry is giving George the idea for this plan that he is going to go down to Florida and buy the car back from Jack Klompas. They're not going to tell Jerry they're selling it. He's not going to tell them that he's buying it back. Yeah, I do like the secret sneaky trip to Florida. That's hard to pull off. Yeah, and we do it a couple times in this episode. George starts to say like, well, I bet your parents have more money than mine. And Jerry is asking, like, well, why do you think that? And they start to do a little bit of a quick audit on the Costanza's finances. Keeve, are you buying the Costanza's had money all this time? I don't think so. I mean, they haven't like it's expensive to not work, probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, where did Frank Costanza make his money? I mean, I don't know. Didn't he sell like uh, he was a salesman, right? Mm hmm. Um, he's probably got pensions from the military and from Social Security and. Like they have, pro- they probably have more money coming in than going out. So like that adds up over time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Frank uh, Costanza was ever really a captain of industry. I don't think so, and I don't think Estelle ever worked or did anything substantial. Yeah, so maybe that there was some other inheritance that they had had. They had some money and in baby, the maybe and they were like the they were in Aunt Baby's will. Yeah, maybe they had like uh, some insurance on Aunt Baby or something like that. And so uh, they start to talk a little bit about like um, you know, does your dad? Still eat bacon and eggs every day. So a little morbid on the uh, Frank Costanza talk. Yeah, that is weird. Okay. So Kramer goes to Elaine's office. He needs to talk to Elaine about a woman problem. And really, you don't know where this is going. And so he talks about that he doesn't want to sleep in the bed with Emily, I believe is the name of the woman that he's seeing in this episode. Did you find it odd that Kramer would ask Elaine this kind of advice? I mean, he asked Jerry and he didn't get much out of her. So what's he going to do? Ask George? Like, it is a little weird, and, like, the Kramer-Elaine in Elaine's office is a slightly unusual dynamic, but, um, you know, you've got to ask somebody. What is odd to me is that we've never before, in eight seasons of Seinfeld, had Kramer dealing with, oh, I have this thing I'd like to say to somebody, but can you help me figure out a way to craft what I'm going to say so I don't hurt the person's feelings? He's always been the person, you know, you're fat, your nose is too big. 
Oh, what's with your hair? So you stink. I think that he's always just blurted out whatever pops into his head. It seems like a little bit of a departure for Kramer to be wondering how to ask this question. Yeah, sometimes, you know, we found as we're going through this with like a real fine tooth comb, like we have found like sometimes the writers will just like switch characteristics. Like this is a George thing that Jerry's doing or Elaine's doing. I, I think you're right. This is a Jerry, Elaine or George thing that Kramer is doing. Yeah. So he ends up offending Elaine where uh, she makes like a comment about that. He's uh, not exactly uh, what relationship material or he's not doing so great in relationships. And he's like, you, you're not really either. And she kicks him out of the office. Yeah. Uh, this is mean Elaine this episode. I like it. <laughs> he's very mean. OK, so Jerry ends up telling his parents that he's leaving. Bally's has an opening that day. Caratop has canceled. I do like that that's like, since he's obviously lying, I like that that's who he chose. Like, why not make yourself more successful and pick like a great comedian that you're replacing? Yeah. And again, I think that this is more playing on the that the success of Jerry Seinfeld. You know, he's probably the number one comedian in America at that point. But, you know, TV show Jerry Seinfeld is like being called when Carrot Top cancels. Yeah. No, he definitely uh, the, the Jerry on the show is nowhere near where Jerry, even like the minute before the Seinfeld television show started airing was. Yeah. All right, so we get to see all the Costanzas at dinner talking about uh, the Costanza family history. I don't know what Estelle's maiden name is. Um, so, you know, tell me about Aunt Baby. <laughs> She's deceased, Frank Costanza says. <laughs> internal problems, Keith. Yeah, what does that mean? Like a heart? What, what's uh, I don't internal? Know. I don't know. Um, that George is asking, uh, is that common? Because Uncle Mo. He died a young man. Also, he had internal problems. Hard to have a lot of external problems, I guess. That's true. Like, what would be an external problem? Like, your ears fall off? Yeah, I think, like, uh, you have, like, some sort of, like, festering wound is an external problem. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Estelle says it's because of the yelling and the temper. Uh, Frank points out Cousin Henny. She was sickly, always. <laughs> I love all the but names. Did she die, or was she just sickly? Uh, well, I guess that she probably did die. I mean, I guess at this point, she's probably dead. I mean, they're old. Like, yeah. if it's an older cousin. She's gone. I was sure. like, don't you talk about Henny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like that Estelle asked if Aunt Baby were alive today, how old would she be? And Frank says uh, she would never make it. Poor Aunt Baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if she was gone when she was seven, like she, you know, she would have had a lot of obstacles along yeah. the way to get to 1997. Do you think that Aunt Baby is based in somebody's truth? Do you think that somebody had a relative Aunt Baby? I think it's too ridiculous, right? I think there has to be like someone had a nickname Aunt Baby. Yeah. yeah. One of the writers or somebody. Yeah, it's so specific. And you, could, uh, you wouldn't make it up because they it would say it's too dumb. It, it would really have to be someone's aunt. Yeah. So Kramer's at Monk's with Sarah Silverman, and uh, so he tells her the situation. Uh, she seems confused. You enjoy the lovemaking. Uh, he says, uh, it's like strawberry pie, which I, I'm getting a little grossed out at this point. That is gross. And if I, like, as at least it's not like cake, because if I said that, I would mean, like, it's over. <laughs> Wait, I thought you love cake. <laughs> no, I hate cake. I like pie. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so how about strawberry pie have you had that i maybe like once yeah it's not a common pie to be honest like it's it's like not even the top 10 of most common pies like you're gonna see an apple a peach a cherry mm -hmm. blueberry like how often when was the last time you had a strawberry pie almost never so i guess in that way it's a lot like sex for me <laughs> Ash, all right we ever had sex strawberry strawberry pie about as often <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I don't even think strawberry pie exists. So, so all right. So Teenage Rob would be like yeah. just the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he needs some sack time. So interesting. That, yeah, I think that sack time could probably be a euphemism for the other thing also. That's right. Although I, I feel like you wouldn't pick up a lot of ladies say, hey, you got in the mood for some sack time. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you were what, like uh, Von Miller. That's true. That, that's that's a good point. Yeah. You have to be like a like a punishing like outside linebacker to really. He has a tape even. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> meet me halfway. He says to her. And uh, so she's like, oh, you're not easy, Kramer. He says, I know. OK. So uh, the return of Jack Klompas. Do you like Jack Klompas? I don't mind. I mean, he, he's really on the short list of most detestable mm-hmm. sort of least redeeming regular characters we have on the show. So I don't like him. But I don't think he ruins an episode by being there. Yeah. Although I feel like that this is probably his worst appearance, Jack Klompas. I mean, he's almost like he's just pure evil in this episode. It's hard to really, you know, get around it. Yeah. So Jack Klompas bought the car for six. He doesn't want to take Jerry's $9,000 for the Cadillac. Uh, he wants the Kelly Blue Book value at the time, which is $22,000. Now, we had this discussion when they when he bought them the car, but how much did he buy the car for? Because now I forget. Um, I don't think we ever found out. I think it was a lot of money. And, and season seven, Thirsty Elaine was really turned on by the fact that Jerry had the money to buy the Cadillac. But I don't think we ever got a number. But we looked it up. I mean, it's got to be over 22. Yeah. I, I want to say it was at least 30. Yeah. So let's say 30. Yeah. I mean, that was what? I mean, like they're selling a $30,000 car a year later for six. That's an insanely bad deal. It's really a terrible deal. I mean, uh, we've seen Morty Seinfeld do some crazy things like throw away a wallet because he doesn't like Velcro. So I, I don't know. Maybe there was just something off-putting about the car to him where it is like uh, it was so odious. He said, I have to I, I, I can't have this car anymore. And like Clompus is his hated enemy. Like yeah. he should get may, it's better to give it away for free to like some nice old lady on the street than to sell it to Clompus for six. I mean, yeah. he's a monster. Who's taking advantage of you? All right. So $14,000 is what they agree upon. And so it's a done deal. But Doris wants to go to Naples. So Jack Klompas gets to keep ownership of the car. This deal is so bizarre where it's like at this point now, is Jerry giving the $14,000 to Jack Klompas, who is retaining ownership of the car to the point where he drives it into a lake? And now the crashed car is now the property of Jerry, who does not uh, get his $14,000 back. Do I understand this deal correctly? I mean, isn't it similar to you buy a house from someone? You say, like, I'm not moving into, like, the 1st of August or something. And they burn it down and you're just out the money? (laughs) Well, I guess there it's here. It's like he's lending it to him on the day. You know, he's like, you buy it. But first of all, he's giving Jerry a deal. I know that sounds insane to say, but he's giving him $8,000 off the blue book value of Jack Klompas. Mm hmm. So, like, if part of the deal is I just need it for one more day, that's not so crazy, right? Yeah. But Obviously, no the question point, is, whose car is it today? Does Jerry say later on in the episode, like, oh, wait, give me my money back. You ruined the car. It's implied. Clompus says no. Like, but you're right. It should have been a little bit of a bigger fight. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to take this ruined car that I just paid $14,000 and you, like, <laughs> drove it into a lake. Maybe intentionally. Like, I don't know if that's ever discussed in the episode. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he could be. Columbus is evil enough to have done that. Yeah. He says to Jerry, do you need the pen? And the pen still works. Yeah, nice callback to the astronaut pen. I did, like, you know, this does feel like talking about the pen. 
this episode feels a little bit like a season three episode. A little bit of a throwback in uh, feel because, you know, again, that I have complained about some of the fantastic things that happen in some of these episodes. I do feel like that the happenings in this episode are pretty mundane. I mean, we do see Jerry fly back and forth to Florida multiple times for, um, you know, with seemingly uh, little notice ahead of time. But I think that that's probably the biggest thing that you could nitpick. That's unbelievable. Right. Right. I mean, you could say like in some of the storylines, not enough happened. Right. In the Costanzas moving to Del Boca Vista, they're like, we're leaving that night. Yeah. Uh, you know, this there's little things that are unbelievable, but nothing is sort of like out of this world. Um, right. No, I would agree here. This is they've they've gone back in time a little bit. Right. Episode. Like nobody is magically turning into a dog. We're not having people, uh, you know, going to cockfights or anything like that. No, don't worry. We'll get back to unrealistic stuff. Very soon. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But I just feel like that this is my preferred speed with this stuff. So, all right. Kramer is uh, going to come in. He needs to borrow Jerry's shoe shine. I guess that uh, he Jerry hides it on Kramer. So Kramer is going to call up Bally's. He knows the number by heart because he's have a gambling problem. He wants Jerry Seinfeld's room. There's a really funny joke where he's trying to spell out Seinfeld and he spells it S E I N V. Uh, and they're like, uh, F. <laughs> yeah, it's a little subtle. It's really good. I, I mean, it has been a running joke that Kramer does not know anybody's name, even in the core four. But I, I do love that he doesn't know to spell Seinfeld, which is probably on the door of Jerry's apartment. Mm-hmm. So we, at least the mailbox. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Kramer's like, nope, never heard of him. And he just like walks out and drops that bomb on them. So we have a, a really, uh, I guess, kind of a bizarre scene where George is at dinner. He was taking out Elaine and Jerry, but Jerry's not there. So it's Elaine morty and helen at the restaurant with george yeah what an odd foursome (laughs) yeah it really is bizarre i don't really even understand how morty and helen got invited uh to this because it really just seems like it's that george wants to make an impression on elaine so he's taking her out to dinner and he has bought her a coffee maker but it looks like he's like stolen a coffee maker from somewhere because it's not in a box he's just walking around manhattan with like a unboxed coffee maker with a bow on it that's weird i didn't think about that maybe it's i think they just want you to know what it is because it never comes up again yeah i mean you couldn't just have a picture of a coffee maker on a box i guess you could but like it has to be clear because you know again like after after we show it it's you know he could i guess he could say i bought you a coffee maker but Mm -hmm. then why is it wrapped up well it doesn't have to be wrapped i mean couldn't you just have an unwrapped uh box for a coffee maker i mean it's like that's more believable than just walking around with a loose coffee maker i mean you think that the the decanter is going to uh, get broken a million different times. I don't know what a decanter is, but I hear you. I think that's like the uh, the pot that the coffee comes in. Oh, I've heard of it. I just, I'm not a big coffee guy. Yeah, uh, you got to get on it. Got to get on it, Keith. If there's one takeaway from this podcast of Nine Seasons of Seinfeld. <laughs> coffee is good. Okay. Jerry makes a whole web series about it. Um. Yeah, I like, uh, yeah, he started up again. There was some guy, he's already on like repeat guests. That's how you know. It's oh, funny. second. You know what I think it is order. actually with the comedians of cars getting coffee because they announced that he's going to Netflix with new episodes. So I think he's like burning off the final season. Okay. It's like when it, when it, when like a band is like, oh, we're you know signing to this new record deal. But we still have one album under contract with the previous one. So we're just going to put out like greatest hits, or we're going to put out like a really crappy short album. I think that's what he's doing this season with the comedians and cars. Like when the Chargers are going to play one more crappy season in San Diego before leaving. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Yes. Okay, so um, 
Jerry, his parents are asking him like, hey, what happened? We called Bally's and you weren't there. And Jerry says, well, I didn't use my real name. Of course, I stay under my alias Slappy White. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great like old school comedian name. By the way, very quick on his feet there. That is a good, like a legitimate excuse by Jerry. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, look, it's the Costanzas are here also. They are also, you know, in a small town like Manhattan, only one real nice restaurant. They wanted <laughs> to get uh, dinner in a upscale restaurant as well, because after George's talk, they say, hey, you can't take it with you. We got to start spending this money. Isn't this out of character? Like if you live near your mom mm-hmm. and then you just like she walked into like a fancy restaurant and you were like you had taken out like your friend's parents. Mm-hmm. I feel like she would be annoyed. She'd be like, why didn't you invite me out? You invited like, you know, these people who I know who are like, you know, if you're hanging out with your friends, that's one thing. Right. I don't think you could cheat on your parents with their hated rivals. Parents. Yeah. No. Well, that's true. Also. <laughs> yeah. But I, the the Frank that I know goes insane when he comes in this restaurant and sees that George has taken out. Morty and Helen, who he hates, right. but not him and Nestel. Like, you want a piece of me? So he also shows George his new suit and his tie. Hey, look, it's a Pierre Cardin. Uh, it's very funny when he shows the tie. I was cracking up. Is that not a real tie company? No, it's real. It's real. It's just that, he, uh, that his pronunciation is off on it. I'm not sure if that's intentional or not with Jerry Stiller. By the way, five years, no tie. That's my streak right now. Wow. Five years, yeah. no tie. What not, if I have not worn a tie. Now, let me ask you a question. So yes. if you have to go to like a, a funeral, is there, uh, is the dress code? I can get, you can, no, you can get away without a tie at a funeral. You can? Yes. You have to wear like a bolo tie? My mom didn't make me wear one to my sister's bat mitzvah. Okay. Um, it was a little more casual. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I've gotten away without it to weddings. So like I, when you I went just, to Chester's brother's wedding, no tie? No tie. Well, that was also like, it was a funkier wedding. Casual. No tie. So what would have to happen for you to wear a tie? Uh, I, I, I think if I went to like a sibling's wedding, that was that was like I, most weddings at this point, I'd probably have to I'd have to go to depending on where. But most of my friends are married. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I sort of wedding and remarry. Forget it. You don't have to wear a tie. Second marriage. You don't have to wear a tie. Right. I was thinking second marriage. But yeah, no, I think that would be one of my my you know, you know what the nightmare is also. What's that? Like you get remarried. But to someone who it's their first wedding. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. And so yeah, it's yeah. like, it's their first wedding. So they want the she big wants wedding. The big wedding, right. Oh, my God. That yeah. is truly, truly my nightmare. No, like, that would she, be. She gets a destination wedding and that's it. You know, that's fine. You know, that's that's it. You're, you but that, that's it. eloping. Because if you're both second marriage and you do destination, no one's coming. That's fine. That's fine. You know, that's just like, you know what I mean? People will come like if you say you're getting married in the Bahamas tomorrow. And yeah, it's, it's first just wedding. like, you know, if you have living parents and then like your, you know, adult children. Yeah, um, immediate family only. I, 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 you, you can invite other people. You can certainly. Sure, but nobody's coming. Nobody's right. like taking the you week off work. Of to go and Mishki. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's the it's basically like you're going on like a nice vacation on a second marriage. Right. Unless you're like really loaded and you like pay for everybody. Right. Right. So. If you're sponsoring, then people can turn it into a vacation and then maybe they'll come. Mm-hmm. Also, it depends where like the the out of town wedding is. Like I got married in Florida. It's like quick flight. Uh, you know, every, like people want to go there anywhere. You could. It's just a long weekend. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have some like wedding in Columbus, Ohio, and it's like, all right, no one wants to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So back in. OK, this time around uh, on Seinfeld scripts dot com, uh, they chalk this up as Emily's apartment. Yes, this is definitely Emily's apartment. Okay, so this time around uh, that Kramer and Emily are, uh, you know, uh, in 
Uh, well, right, I'm trying to think of the right uh, the right term. They're they're in bed, and um, again, there there's like uh, this talk about their uh, sex is like uh, I find it creepy. You find it creepy when Kramer and Emily, when Emily talk about sex? Yeah, they're just like so. That was all right, right? Like it's just like uh, I don't we, know. We want to see Kramer. I, first of all, it's not shocking to hear Sarah Silverman say stuff like this. I think mm-hmm. that's fair. Right. I just think Kramer to us is like almost virginal <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. So um, Kramer gets out of the bed and leaves. So, so Kramer ends up going home. And then uh, we see Morty Seinfeld. And uh, that he mentioned like he had like this workout equipment that he does at like four o'clock in the morning. And we see Kramer like petrified and Morty Seinfeld is working out with this exercise machine now is this a real thing that morty seinfeld is using this contraption yeah i think it looks real yeah put it on any doorknob uh and it works yeah it looks pretty old school um we have to ask the obvious question right yeah why is he doing it on kramer's door and not on jerry's door well i think he probably felt like uh that maybe has he been over in kramer's apartment because maybe he thinks that he has a, a similar setup where I feel like that somebody is sleeping on the couch, right? So did Jerry is sleeping on the couch. He gave his bed to his parents. So he doesn't want to wake up Jerry by like uh, jostling the doorknob. And maybe he just felt like either Kramer went off to go to Emily's house or Kramer has like a bedroom. Maybe let me posit a theory that has no proof in reality, but I think might be true. OK, what if he thought what if Kramer had said, hey, uh, you know, Morty. Uh, he came, Kramer came over for like a snack at, at like eight o'clock at night. And he's like, Hey Morty, just, uh, just, so you know, like I'm, you know, I'm hanging out tonight with Emily. I'm sleeping over there. Um, just casually mentions it. And now, so Morty wakes up at four in the morning and thinks like, Oh, let me just use Kramer's door. He's not going to hear me. He's at Emily's house. Yeah. I think it's realistic. Yeah. I mean, that certainly makes sense to me. So I don't think it's too crazy of a theory. Um, so we then see the next day. Jerry's in his apartment. He gets a call from Jack Klompas. Had a little mishap with the car. We see that the car is submerged in the water. Uh, I'm down here in Alligator Alley. You better get down here. Um, Alligator Alley. But can I tell you a funny alligator story that's actually very relevant? Yes. So my son, I'm sure like your sons, is very into like he could sit there and watch YouTube videos all day. Sure. Of like total nonsense. (laughs) So one of the videos... Like, you know, you, it starts off, you're watching Peppa Pig or you're watching Wonder Cats or I don't know what they're called anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, but then it's like, you know, on the, on the right side, it's always like, you might like this. And then he made his way to like alligator videos. Uh-oh. And I think he was watching alligators like fight alligators. It was probably scary. But anyway, he got like really obsessed with this Chester the alligator, who's like a big alligator <laughs> in in Florida. I think it's the alligator that was like, it was viral a few weeks ago that... um. I don't know. I'm mixing up alligators. Anyway, there's an alligator that he's obsessed with called Chester the Alligator. And he knows that I have two podcasts, one with Chester, one with Rob. So he turned to me this week. He's like, can we see a video of Wob the Alligator? <laughs> he thought there was like a, an alligator named Chester and there's yeah. an alligator named now, Rob. Does he think you're really talking to Chester the Alligator when you do the other podcast? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I just think he thinks like if they're named Chester and Rob on the podcast, then maybe there'd be alligators named Chester and Rob. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't have a lot of alligator talk in my house. I just got into it from the, from, from the, uh, you could really go down like a, a like yeah. an animal, oh, like a, yeah. the YouTube animal, like rabbit hole could be four days before you realize you're, you're stuck in it. Yeah. We're in like a dinosaur, uh, rabbit hole, but there's only certain I think dinosaurs you have to be, that he likes. You have to be a little older for the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
So uh, the Golden Nugget had a cancellation. They need Jerry down there is the story that he's going with. Same thing. They heard about Jerry's show at Bally's and uh, and they need him also. So he's going to go down to Florida to go check it out. And so Morty and Helen are concerned. Morty thinks that uh, they might need to support Jerry. And so he needs to go back to work. He's going to put in a call to Elaine. I feel like this is like the ultimate nightmare for any parent, no? <laughs> you like, to support your adult kids? When you're like 65, yeah. 70. Well, I don't think it's uh, you know that crazy of a situation. I think that probably Seinfeld here were uh, ahead of the times with the, uh, you know, uh, the millennial generation and the rap that they, you know, they're all living with their parents still into their sure. 30s. Right. I think the opposite. I want my kids to like... I want them to like drop out of school and become like programmers when they're 11. I want them to support me now. Yeah, that'll be good. I know my wife says like, uh, I never want them to leave. I never want them to uh, <laughs> like, no, I want them out. I want my house back one day. Yeah. Meanwhile, Rob is like sending away for college brochures for his four year old son. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So I love this idea of Morty Seinfeld is going to talk to Elaine. He wants a job working at jay peterman um yeah it is a funny idea i almost think like you could have even had this for a couple episodes and it might have worked it's a very funny idea and i think that sadly it goes nowhere yeah doesn't really go anywhere there is a deleted scene with more that i guess i'll get to when we get to it in real time but yeah it's it's uh i I do yeah i think they could have had especially like peterman is kind of played out like now he's coming back the idea of morty being there for a few episodes may really have breathed some life into it yeah I think my DVD player is broken. I thought that as just my disc two of season eight was scratched up, but then I popped in disc three of season eight to watch this and it wasn't working either. So I'm thinking either my whole season eight Seinfeld DVD is bupkis or this uh, USB DVD player I've got is uh, not the goods. Well, do you past the you know, next 30 something episodes of Seinfeld? Do you still need the DVD player? Mm, no, I just been watching them on Hulu. So I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm just going to like, uh, Take the uh, USB DVD player I bought, just like smash it up and uh, mail it to myself. And then I'm going to go see if I can uh, cash in on the warranty from the post office. It's a great idea. You should definitely try it. (laughs) Okay, so Morty Seinfeld is in the meeting with Elaine and uh, he's saying that he has a resume at home. He'll mail it to her, uh, that he sold raincoats in the garment center for 38 years. Uh, and let's like, fine, fine, fine. All right. You know, uh, very similar to what we saw in the fatigues where Elaine will just give people jobs just to get out of meeting with them. That's true. Elaine's goal really as president to the company. Yeah. Yeah. She her goal. And it's not her money. Uh, her goal is just to like do as little work as possible. Yeah. All right. And uh, hey, look who's back. Mr. Peterman. And now when did Peterman go crazy? Was it in the urban sombrero uh, with the urban sombrero? Yeah. So I think he left in the so the start of the first episode here in season eight is when uh, he leaves and goes crazy. Right. And then so now this is just the big return of Peter. No, wasn't it the end of season seven? Was it the end of season seven? Uh, And then Elaine is running the catalog uh, in the first episode of season eight. I think so. Okay, late at night, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. So he's back and he's cured now. Uh, Seems no worse for the wear, Mr. Peter. No, he actually seems like listen. Everyone should get like a sabbatical from work. I feel like it's done him well. Yeah. And so he's back. And uh, I like the Morty uh, escalating. So who's Mr. Fancy? Um, yeah. I, so in the deleted scene, um, he he, uh, he calls him Jacopo. Jacopo. He's like, he tell Morty tells Elaine, like, I've been speaking to Jacopo. And she's like, uh, you mean Mr. Peterman? He's like, no, he told me to call him Jacopo. 
and then and then and then sort of like they plan out this meeting which is why like we see a meeting we don't know exactly what time it is but like in the in the with the deleted scene you'd know like elaine purposely scheduled this meeting for later in the day to like mess them up okay so we end up seeing uh kramer back with emily and now she doesn't want kramer back in her bed she sleeps so much better without him i don't know why you know she seems to be an adult woman and slept in bed with kramer for two nights and it took her like uh, like one night of not sleeping in the bed with kramer to realize that this is uh much preferred but that's what she's saying so well because we're right like the idea is that like once you get used to having your own bed that you know that's that's what you're gonna do that's why like kids don't like you don't like sleep in the same bed as your sibling it's like it's Mm -hmm. not it's not natural like no one is intended to do it so uh, once she got a taste of the own bed, it, she's not going back. By the way, you were right. It wasn't the foundation. It's not at the end of season seven. He does go crazy in the first episode of season eight. Okay. So then going back to Del Boca Vista. All right, uh, Keith, just let's talk through like the 24 of it all. What time did Jack Klompas crash his car? Okay. So Jerry gets a call. What was going on when Jerry got the call? We have to like reverse engineer it from there. Okay. So let's just say best case scenario. Let's be uh, super nice here. It's 8 a.m. when Jack Klompas uh, calls Jerry. Is that fair? Okay. Let's say it's 8 a.m. Okay. Uh, He calls Jerry. Hey, get down here. I'm at Alligator Alley. No address. No, (laughs) no anything. Right. That's Uh, probably like uh, a million acres. And, you know, but okay. Right. But Jerry should just get in like one of those big like fan boats to go uh, look for Jack Klompas at that point. But okay. Uh, Jerry heads down to the airport. No ticket, no reservations. How fast can Jerry get to Jack Klompas? I mean, to get to South Florida is really easy. You know, every airline probably has a flight. If you have a, a ticket, of, right? No, you pay for one. You just go to the airport. I'd like a ticket to Florida, please. And then you're, and then you just get on the plane. Of course, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how people bought plane tickets before the internet. Mm-hmm. You like call up the airline and purchase them or use a travel agent and they mail you the ticket. Like it sounds insane. Yeah. I'm not even sure there was, there may not have been flight before the internet. I'm not even sure. So how fast could Jerry get down there in six hours? Do you think? Oh, easy. Yeah. Okay. Door to door for sure. Sure. All right. So here he is. So now, uh, cause it's still, you know, pretty bright daylight by the time that Jerry gets to Jack Klompas. Mm-hmm. And again, it is the winter. So, right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what the hell happens? Uh, and so Jack Klompas says, I made a simple lane change. And uh, the Cadillac did that itself. I like that they opened the door and there was a live fish that falls out of it. Also, he was supposed to, like, take his wife to Naples, right? She's not even there. Mm, yeah, she might be murdered. Like, he might have just gone to go, like, move the body. Or she's in the she's in the uh, bottom of the swamp with the <laughs> alligators and the crocodiles. <laughs> yeah, very uh, traumatic incident for uh, Jack Klompas. And uh, so Jack Klompas has also had another calamity. He also may have lost the astronaut pen to which Jerry says, you know, that almost makes this all worthwhile. It's weird because this is one of these like Jerry says it where in the sitcom world, the other people, the person doesn't hear it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it seems like Columbus doesn't hear it. But then oh, he heard out in a couple of scenes that he heard it. He heard it. He didn't like it. OK, so meanwhile, we go back to the Costanza house and George is upset that, hey, why is there a Cadillac in front of the house? And we find out that that's Estelle's new car. Yeah, I, I, you see the pain from George. Like he thinks he's an only child. He's mm-hmm. getting all this money. I, you feel for George in this episode. Yeah. Uh, we also find out that Estelle will not ride in a Mercedes. She does not want uh, to have a German car. So a little bit of a statement. Yeah, we discussed this in when we were talking about, which, you know, is George Jewish? Like in the very beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. I brought this up. This is really the only evidence, but very strong evidence that Estelle's Jewish. 
yeah, okay. I I, I uh, could see that. Um, so why? I, what was she's just like such a sympathizer? Like, an, I, I just I don't think in like 1997 such a person exists. Yeah, and so and and Frank Costanza is not Jewish. Definitely not. We've established that he's not. Okay, so yeah, so a mixed marriage. So you think that maybe there could be some uh, some conflict there and some stress, which only contributed to uh, the neuroses of George Costanza. I mean, it didn't happen on screen, so I'd say impossible, but maybe. Yeah, Frank Costanza wants to potentially have a Christmas. Estelle wants to have a Hanukkah. That's maybe where Festivus is born. It's possible. I think they're just both like irreligious, so like that's they don't celebrate anything, and then there's Festivus. But I think it's actually a good theory. Okay, so Kramer comes out in a robe, and now Kramer is sort of like shacking up with the Costanzas. I mean, he's living there. He's sleeping there, at least. <laughs> yeah. And so, the I mean, this part, it does like, uh, does, you know, uh, stretch a little bit of the limitations, but it, I mean, it's it's uh, very silly. It's not otherworldly, though. No, I mean, we've, we've spent many seasons establishing that Kramer has, a, has like a good relationship with Frank, so. It's not yeah. it's not out of the blue, at least so that they are deciding where to live. If they're going to go to Florida or they're going to stay in Queens, it does seem a little bit of a weird thing that they're saying they can't spend money fast enough in Queens, only in Florida, uh, where you could drop a grand in Disney World like that. I mean, that seems like a really weird argument to say that, no, you can't spend money in New York. It's bizarre, right? You live in Manhattan like. If they sell this place in Queens, they're going to be able to buy something in Florida and have plenty of leftover money. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. Those condos, by the way, they're in the retire, like when my grandmother was buying them, they're insanely cheap. Mm-hmm. Like the old people condo, like for a one bedroom or two bedroom, like they are not expensive. So I, I, I really don't think maybe they are now, but not in not in the mid 90s when I went with my grandmother and she got one like the the it, it could be like 10 times the price. This Queens house. Yeah. They have like a big house with multiple floors in Queens. It's not cheap. Okay, so they're trying to figure out what to do. They say, you know, what do you think we should do, George? And so he's uh, very confused. He has a big decision to make. Um, We go to the meeting over at Peterman's, uh, and he announces that effectively, immediately, uh, Elaine will return to her old position at her original salary uh, and uh, no stock options either. Now, is any of this legal, Keeve? Uh, when we get to uh, a Dan in the emails, okay. he has a very long answer to this question. Okay. So Peterman is talking about how he has an idea for a scarf and they're going to uh, get fabric in. Morty says uh, he knows a couple of Chinamen over on 43rd Street who will do it for half that. Uh, Elaine is upset that he is uh, not being uh, politically correct. And he's telling all of his uh, Morty Seinfeld stories. Yeah, it's funny that Morty doesn't know this is a slur, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like now nobody would say something like that. But maybe it was like still close to when you could have said something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, but I guess that's like the joke that like a lot of times, like a lot of times with old people, it's not they're racist. It's that they're not woke and they don't know what's PC and what's not. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's what I found on like the in the Facebook and, and like social media era. They just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So. I actually think that this Morty Seinfeld and story goes in the wrong direction. I feel like that everything that Seinfeld has taught me over eight seasons is that Elaine thinks Morty Seinfeld is going to be terrible, but Mr. Peterman really takes a liking to him. He works out great and that he ends up, you know, 
potentially like getting Elaine's job at JP. Or her stock options. Or her stock options. Jerry gets that money, yeah. And then she ends up with this idea of, okay, let me make this meeting later on in the day so I can get rid of Morty Seinfeld. And that also backfires. To me, that this is seems like a completely backwards storyline where Elaine knows he's going to be bad. He is bad. She schedules a meeting late in the day, and then it works, and he quits. Yeah, my pro- like the problem with that is that this scene is happening like deep in the episode already. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like like we said, it would have to be like a multi multi episode arc, right? For like it would be there aren't there isn't enough time for like Morty to establish himself as this great worker. Like it would need to be over the next yeah. few episodes. Maybe. We just could have gotten that earlier in the episode. I think yeah, that you know Morty sure. and Helen like could have come to New York with the idea of we need to talk to Jerry. We have to find out about supporting him. When they find out that Elaine is the president of Jay Peterman, Morty could ask her for a job at that point. And then you know Peterman comes back and the whole plan backfires because Peterman really likes this new guy. That oh Elaine, I like this. Uh, like I like that you uh, thought outside of the box and hired uh, a veteran. I like his um, uh, all his experience, his KG. Yeah, no, for sure. No, yeah, I think uh, you, this is an original theory, and I, I think it's very smart. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, so George and Elaine are in the booth amongst again. Always funny when George and Elaine are together, and uh, the show has explored what happens when Jerry isn't right. Uh, we saw in the uh, in the uh, the chicken roaster. Um, where it was that uh, Jerry had become Kramer, so George had to meet with Kramer. Uh, we've certainly seen scenes with uh, George and Elaine at Monks before. And so George wants to talk about his problem, and Elaine wants to talk about her problem. And it is really funny, sort of like the sparring back and forth of trying to control the conversation. Um, yeah, no, this is a really good scene. It's also funny to see Elaine in, you know, because Jerry's running back and forth to Florida, See Elaine in separate scenes in the same episode with Kramer and George. That's unusual. Yeah, this is a really like good like powerhouse scene between the two of them trying to push each other around. Yeah, and you know, so many times we talk about that, like, well, Jerry doesn't really have anything going on in this episode of his own, but he is often the sounding board for the characters. And with him going back and forth to Florida, George doesn't have the sounding board, and Elaine doesn't have the sounding board, and they have to both be each other's sounding board. And so <laughs> George is trying to talk about well. What do I do? Do I let my parents go to Florida and then they'll use up all the money that I'm scheduled to inherit? Or do I have them stay, but then, you know, have a larger inheritance? And he's trying to talk that through with Elaine. And eventually just like, uh, you know, let him go to Florida. He's like, uh, why? He's like, I-, I don't care. Stay, have him stay. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but in this conversation, George does solve her problem and says when he has one of these old guys breathing down his neck uh, with the Yankees, he schedules a meeting at later in the day. Uh, he says these guys are up at 4 a.m. They get wiped by 2.30. Uh, yeah, no, it is a brilliant idea. It's really actually like a very subtly one of George's best ideas. Yeah. So Elaine is, uh, okay, she uh, files that one away. And uh, George is upset and he yells at her. Uh, you know, I got nothing out of this. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Costanza house where Kramer is still walking around in a robe. And uh, he notices that Frank Costanza and Estelle have separate beds. They got two beds in here. Yeah. Someone pointed out, I think it's in the cigar store Indian, um, that they're shown having one bed. Hmm. Maybe they have a guest room. May- yeah. And that they sleep in. Oh, uh, well, you know what? That going back to. Yeah. Is that when George brought a woman home and then there was a prophylactic wrapper on the bed? Yeah. So you think they were sleeping in the guest room? And they let George bring a lady to their bedroom. That would be weird. 
Mm, yeah. And it's also weird. And why like, would George want their bedroom yeah, if he's got like on two their tiny bed. twins? Yeah, it doesn't right. make sense. So, uh, yeah, it seems like uh, this is not canon, uh, Mr. Melman. Yeah, no, I, we agree. Couple, couple sloppy mistakes here. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Estelle has the Jimmy arms. I feel like you have both things or none. Well, if you have both things, that's like you're like just convulsing. <laughs> yes. What's RLS? Is uh, restless leg syndrome? Is that the yeah. uh, clinical name for the Jimmy legs? I guess so. Um, yeah, I don't know if the Jimmy arms is even a thing. Mm, I'm sure it's a thing feel like you, i mean you could like sleep with your arms like under a pillow sort of and sort of or a straight jacket I, well, I guess do people do that mm, probably in a, a mental institution <laughs> i'm sure there is like a way to prevent the jimmy legs but i don't know like is can you think of something where it's like that would stop the, well, the jimmy think, legs you know you put people in the mental institution where they can't kick you you could just certainly well that, that's that's like, that's like not step one usually if someone's yeah. kicking you in their sleep well, there's a lot of medication, I think, for this restless leg syndrome. I see commercials for it all the time. According to Wikipedia, it's a disorder that causes the strong urge to move one's legs. Uh, it's often an unpleasant feeling in the legs and improves uh, somewhat with moving them. Also, the arms may be effective. So how about that? What, what if you sleep in a sleeping bag? I feel like that would prevent No, a sleeping bag is too loose. No, it's like a tight, snug sleeping bag. Yeah, you'd need like some sort of a like a sleeve. Yeah, it's a sleeve. And then your legs are stuck in there and like where you kick it. You can't. You're basically your legs are basically tied. They're stuck. Yeah, but I think with this RLS, I think it's painful. You need to move your legs. Or there's pain like it's oh, like, you need to move them. Right. Okay. Like I think you would like uh, in a perfect world, you could like sleep in a coffin. But I think that you need to like move your legs around. So we need a restless leg syndrome uh, expert. Mm, I'm not sure if we do. OK, I think we got this. <laughs> all right. We got it. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, by next week, we'll be like, all right, this is like. James, our restless leg, and we won't even remember why we need one. Oh, we're already well past that point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there are a lot of medications. I'm not sure if those medications were widely available in January of 1997. Hmm. If someone wants to take the medications as a gag and then let us know how they work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, back at the Klompus house, uh, Jerry is uh, still there, and uh, he needs a place to stay. That It turns out that he maxed out all his credit cards. He doesn't have enough cash for a hotel room. And uh, he wants to stay at Klompus's house. And Klompus says, uh, you got some nerve. He almost broke his neck. And now he asked me for a favor. And Jerry brings up, uh, you didn't like that crack I made about the pen. And uh, Jack Klompus tells him, I did not. So Jerry can't even get to a bank? I, like, I don't understand how if Jerry has money. Right, what's his plan? Right. I guess it's so. it's got to be really late at night by the time they got back from Naples, no? So he maxed out all his credit cards on what? On he he must have right. I mean he paid. Uh, I guess with the I guess with the original I mean, does car. Jack Klompus accept a credit card payment of fourteen thousand dollars for the car? No, but I guess the the original car maybe put thirty grand on the credit card, right? He got a check for doing a show. Why would he put it on a credit card? Even if people he did, buy things on credit card, right, maybe you get the miles if, or the points. I don't know. All right, the, but then why not pay it off? He had the money. I'm not sure, but maybe it's like he just hasn't gotten around to it. He's bad with these bills. And and also he's got like a horrible manager. Usually if you're a celebrity, you have a manager pay your bills and she stinks, right? Deborah Joe mm -hmm. Rupp. She doesn't know what she's doing. Also, he just bought like the plane ticket with no notice. Maybe it's that's like another grand. I mean, what's his credit limit? I mean, he's a guy with money. He's yeah. doing commercials no, for true. American Express at this point. He doesn't have a Amex card. Well, the, the real Jerry's doing American Express commercials or the fake Jerry? Yeah, well, I mean, I just don't understand how Jerry's credit is maxed out and he can't get to a bank. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. I, 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 they, they should have made this like, more clear. And it's fine if the answer is he's really broke. Jerry is actually in financial trouble. Sure. But at the end of the episode, he's like, eh, no, I'm not. So Right. Commit to it. I agree. 
So it, it would you could have Jerry in season eight have financial problems. That's fine. Sure. I, I just don't think they think that would be funny. Yeah. I, like, I understand why they didn't, but you got to commit to something here. But it would be funny because everybody who's watching the show knows it's not the case. It's not it's the, the real Jerry Seinfeld doesn't have financial problems. Right. So um, anyway, we end up going back to George with his parents. He has made a decision like LeBron. He has decided that his parents should uh, keep their talents in Queens. And they said, uh, well, we are going to uh, Florida anyway. We just were being nice. Um, yeah, he's, he's pulling the Jose Reyes going from Queens to Florida. Yes, uh, it's too late. We bought a condo at Del Boca Vista. We're leaving tonight. Now, Keith. Insane. Now- <laughs> just ridiculous. Not even worth discussing. It's so stupid. I mean, so are they, I guess, keeping the house and letting Kramer yeah. live there? I guess because they're not worried about like Listen, uh, getting their money back. They're committed to losing all their money. So they're going to own two homes. They bought this home and they're moving on zero seconds notice to Florida without any stuff. Yeah. And like, I guess they're going to have to like buy beds and buy a couch and like totally furnish this place in Florida. Yeah. Which is furnished by the time we see them like the next day. Um, Well, let me be devil's advocate here. Okay. So maybe they're not selling their house. so They don't have anything to pack. They are buying this place in Florida. They've made the deal over the phone or through, you know, whatever real estate agent. And now they're going to go check the place out. Maybe they're not going to live there forever. But, okay, let's go down there. Let's go check out our new place that we bought. And then we can always come back whenever. But they purchased it. Like, they're sleeping in this house. You don't get to, like, test drive a house. Right. They purchased it. And they're just now they're, they're we're going down there tonight. They're not saying we're never coming back or anything like that. You know, I think you could imagine like you are moving to a new city and it's like, okay, let me, let me go there and then get set up. And then I can always come back and see what I need. And maybe it's a furnished place. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess they could have bought it furnished, but it just seems like the timeline here is Super absolutely impulsive. Wonderful. You're right. Yeah. It's yeah. just crazy. Okay. So we then end up with Kramer saying that uh, he has Emily coming over tonight and uh, Frank Costanza has no problem. George says, you're letting him have a woman over. And Frank does have a pretty good answer for this. He says he's not family. It's different psychologically. Uh, no, I, I hear what he's saying. I, get there. That. I think in general, dads don't have a problem like with what their son is doing in the house, to be honest. Yeah, I think it was more that Frank Costanzo was upset that George left a prophylactic wrapper in his bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't let me know what was going on. I agree. Mm-hmm. And maybe he could be in said guest room uh, or where the pool table used to be. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I. I I, it's not so crazy that Although, they're, no, they're in the separate they're in they end up we see them in the separate beds right in their Costanza bedroom um, we see them in the Costanza bedroom with the separate beds yeah okay so at Peterman's office uh, Peterman is like telling like this really long story and we see Morty Seinfeld getting upset because uh, it's getting late Peterman uh, says it's you know only 530 and Elaine keeps asking questions to me I just that it's just it should never happen on Seinfeld where somebody has this outrageous, devious plan and then it works like going back to the menage a trois. You know, George has the brilliant plan. OK, you say this to her, say this to her, say this to her. It's foolproof. And then it has to blow up. This is a perfectly executed plan to get rid of Morty Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's that's a little bit of a, a you know, a, a out there theory. But OK, let's go for it. Why is it out there? No, I'm saying that makes sense. That makes sense. 
Thank I don't know. You. It's late. I'm, I'm not making fun. Okay, sorry. You're like Morty Seinfeld. Um, uh, I'm not as cheap, but <laughs> And you can stay out later than 5.30. Well, I don't go out ever. But if I did, <laughs> if I did uh, go out, I would probably stay out late. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then back at Del Boca Vista, Frank Costanza is walking. He sees Jerry sleeping in the backseat of the Cadillac looking like a homeless person. Um, and he, like, he, does he think it's Jerry and then he does a double No, take? I don't I think he that's thinks what it's happens. Jerry. I think, he, I think he thinks it's just a homeless person. He goes back and tells Estelle, like, there's a, a homeless problem here. Yeah, right. Uh, right. He doesn't know that it's Jerry. Okay. He does do a little bit of a double take, but. Yeah. But I just think he, he couldn't believe to see, you know, he's going down yeah. there to get away from all of the, the crime and the homeless people. Mm-hmm. So he thought this was going to be the like sleeping utopia. cars that was happening in Queens. Yeah. Right. So we go to the Costanza home and Kramer and Emily are getting ready for bed. I guess what they're going for here is like they're like an old married couple. But yeah, I think I think they turned into Frank and Estelle. That's my theory. They turned into Frank and Estelle, but they're not actually fighting. They're not getting into any sort of an argument, you know, that Kramer is saying he doesn't want to go to dinner with her friends. And she says, well, nobody put a gun to your head, you know, um, and he drinks a glass of water and he burps. I did not get this scene at all as the end I, of I think the that they are. I think my theory's right, but they played it poorly. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. But it's like, okay, then this should be if they turned into Frank and Estelle because they stay in the because, you know, there's maybe like the message is no, a romantic couple needs to sleep in the same bed because there's some sort of an intimacy that's fostered there. And then if you separate and go into separate beds, you lose that sort of uh, whatever, whatever is gained from the act of sleeping in a bed with somebody that, yeah. that that closeness is gone. You become Frank and Estelle. That's fine. This was not that. Right. I was, she's also like reading Patricia Cornwell. I think her name is like, um, you know, it's like an old lady book. No offense mm-hmm. if you read that and you're like 20, but yeah. it, it seems like it's like what my like mother-in-law would be reading. And um, this did not seem like a breakup. She won't be back in the next episode. Right. Just like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And they're not committing. You're right. They're they're doing. It's a little bit too lukewarm. There's a few scenes here where it's like they're not committing to the bit fully, and they're they're sort of like staying in the middle. And you're right. She's gone after this, and we literally never see her again. So and I guess we have weird, to right? presume that Frank and Estelle. We're going to see in the next scene that they come home. So now that Kramer and Emily have to go back to their respective apartments, and then ultimately they won't be able to get over the uh, need to sleep in separate beds issue ever again right. and but it happens off off camera right and it's, it's sarah silverman she's great i would have been fine seeing her like kramer doesn't have like these long-term girlfriends but would have been totally happy seeing her for a couple episodes yeah okay and then we end up going back to the diner and uh we see a little bit of everybody talking about their financial issues uh peterman's stock has gone through the roof with the return of mr peterman elaine's uh stock options would have been very valuable George gives a, that's a shame. And Elaine interprets that as you're sticking it to me. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he is kind of sticking it to her here. Yeah. Uh, he, he is. And then George is not getting the inheritance. And uh, Jerry says to them both, uh, you're not alone. I'm practically broke. And Elaine asks him, really? He says, no, but I did blow over 20000 on that Cadillac. $20,000. How do we get right? I mean, if it, the other if six, it costs thirty. If it costs thirty, then it costs him thirty-eight, right? Because he just blew another eight this time, right? Fourteen minus six. Well, why is he getting the six? I mean, he's out. He bought. Well, six. Frank handed him the six. Oh, okay. Oh, they gave. He okay. So, so, so yeah. So he's still out way more than twenty. 
it's as high as 38,000. And even if the car only costs 20, it's 28,000. Yeah. I think that there's also maybe, you know, uh, we have not factored in the repair costs of like that. Jerry tries to like fix up and maybe that's where the, you know, maybe it was like $4,000 of work to repair and restore the Cadillac. And that's where his credit card got maxed out. Yeah. I mean, this, this Cadillac was totally destroyed and, and now it's sleepable in like a day. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Um, and so uh, Jerry hasn't heard from his parents yet. Uh, we're going to see Morty and Helen. They now are living in a trailer. Now, is this canon, Keith? The next no. time that we see Morty no. and Helen, are no. they just back in Del Boca Vista? They are. The Del Boca Vista, I don't think, comes up again till season nine when Kramer runs for for you know president of the condo association when he moves down there. But in, I think it's a wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's it. I was I was, I asked a couple Seinfeld experts because it bothered me, and um, it's I think it's alluded to that they're moving. I think, but but never like the trailer or anything. So it's really weird to leave them in the trailer and then just never mention it again. Okay, and then finally, uh, we see the Costanzas in their condo, and um, Frank is upset after he saw a bum sleeping in a Cadillac. And then Stella is like, no, why would he go in there to take a nap? And Frank says, no, they make it their home. They urinate in there. Uh, and uh, he's driving Estelle crazy. And he says, that's it. We're going back to Queens. Where's my hat? And Estelle, like, very sad. He's like, no. It yeah. made me feel bad for Estelle at the end of this. I know. Like, that she has no say in the matter. Yeah, no say. Why doesn't she stay in Florida? They own both these places. Mm-hmm. And that they could have their own separate version of separate bedrooms. Her in Florida, him in Queens. That might be the best thing for the Costanza marriage. Yeah. And it's like a way to tie in the episode together better. Yeah. So I think that would be uh, pretty good. Okay. So, Keeve, then uh, let's talk this through. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's uh, do grades. Let's do grades. Okay. Uh, so let's start with Jerry. He's going back and forth to Florida with Klompus. Um, a little bit negative in nature. No great lines. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's it's more it's more of like an interesting story than a funny one. I'll give it a B. Yeah, I give it a B as well. I think a serviceable story. What about George dealing with his parents and uh, this inheritance? I mean, it's a little too wacky for me. It is pretty funny. Uh. You know, it, it also no. There's no classic line coming out of this. B. Oh, I think maybe uh, you're being too hard on it. I think that uh, all of the funny stuff with uh, Frank and Estelle. I think there's a lot of um, good conversations. I'll, I'll say it's an A minus. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Uh, what about Kramer and uh, the Jimmy Legs and Sarah Silverman? I mean, I like. It's funny that they. Um, you know, I, I actually like. We didn't talk about it too much, but like when. Kramer's sort of like watching scared as as Frank is playing on the door. That's like a good Michael Richards scene. Uh, this is a, I'll give it a B plus. Yeah, um, that works for me. I do like the Jimmy legs. I think that that's the most iconic thing uh, from this episode. Would you agree? Jimmy legs? Probably. Yeah, the most quotable. Sure. OK. And then what about Elaine and the return of Mr. Peterman? I mean, it's fine. It, Mr. Peterman and small dose were fine with uh, actually the, the scene with Elaine and George, maybe the MVP scene of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, when he says, uh, oh, you know, another line that we didn't really talk about. That's a great line is, um, you know, when he comes back and he says, congratulations for a job done. Yeah. That's a really funny joke from Peterman. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give Elaine an A minus. A minus. I think I'm going to give it a C plus that I feel like that they had the opportunity to do more there with, uh, yeah. Morty Seinfeld and, uh, they didn't convert on it. So 
I'm a little more down on that storyline. Okay, so Keith, Every scene in this episode, like almost everything in this episode could have been punched up a tiny bit more. Yeah, I just feel like that there's a lot of funny stuff that's happening. But overall, I feel like that the parts end up uh, being more separate than uh, the entirety of the whole. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Keeve, where did you have this in your rankings? I'm going to guess, uh, I'll say in the top half, but maybe sort of like a middling uh, 73. Okay. Uh, I have it at 96. 96. Okay. All right. Somewhere in the ballpark. Okay. Mm-hmm. Keeve, all right. So, we had the little bit of the okey-doke with the mailbag from uh, this week where we gave out the wrong show last week, but you did reach out to... Many of the weekly emailers, and they, they did rally. Oh, yeah. We got tons of emails this week. Uh, yeah. I, I made Anyone who sent a, the comeback, I, I, I made sure to contact. So did you yeah. find that the personal invitation to the mailbag helped? I mean, these were people who already had sent in, like, emails on Monday. So I would say it's a motivated focus group. You know? Motivated focus group. Okay. <laughs> All right. Our base. All right. Yeah, so, sure. Of course, uh, you can subscribe to the Seinfeld podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. We always appreciate the feedback and the star ratings. We're really getting our butts kicked by uh, the uh, main Seinfeld uh, recap podcast. So was that a bad main? Plug? Well, main. I mean, they're, they're, I, mean, they're <laughs> I mean, they're beating the Survivor podcast. I mean, they're, they're just like uh, this, like uh, they're on fire. Oh, uh, yeah. Listen, there's our best bet right now is somebody goes looking for them and they accidentally find us. Look at all this hate. Oh, man. Why don't you just join their team? <laughs> it's not hate. <laughs> it's not hate. I'm yeah, giving us reviews. Let's at least hit 200. We're at 187, I think. Let's hit 200 reviews. this. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even saying anything uh, negative. No, no, for sure not. No, congrats to them on being such a, such a uh, success. Stalwarts. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Count they stalwarts. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, uh, of course, you can email the show, Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, Boy, uh, they're really going to clean up like when we finish first also. Yeah, I'm sure they're waiting with bated breath for to be done. <laughs> they're really going <laughs> to really capitalize on that. Okay. All right. Uh, John DeSavera says, according to Sarah Silverman, Michael Richards yelled at her because she kept blowing her line. It was probably just the wind. Where Where is that, uh, John DeSavera? Was that in the DVD inside look? I mean, I don't know. Johnny has some inside info sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, Michael Richards, we've established, he can be very serious on set. So I believe it. Yeah, he has a lot of uh, very firmly held beliefs about things. and then <laughs> Very firmly. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's also dig into this. Uh, Sean Falconer uh, did a study about the contested claim that Akiva said, I mean, what, 49 times recently in one of our podcast episodes? Yes, someone counted that I said, I mean, 49 times in one episode. Okay, so Sean Falconer, of course, uh, our esteemed listener, he did a study on this and ran all of the episodes of the Seinfeld Post Show recap through his supercomputer to find all of the two-word phrases that have been said on the show. And so his findings concluded that um, we do, between the two of us, say, I mean, a lot, but not nearly as much as we say the phrase, you know. Now, who do you think? I think he has this as almost 180 you knows in one episode. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is saying the majority of the you knows? Well, we don't have that information, but I know that I do uh, say that. I, th- I think also. that's a robism. And also, you speak a lot more than I do, so I feel like you have to be well over 100 of the you knows. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So I edit myself 
often and I do know a lot of the things that I say. I wish it could prevent me from saying them at different points, but it's very hard. If you say to yourself, I'm not going to say, um, let's say somebody says, um, a lot on the podcast, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you could stop yourself from saying, um, but then it's like another leak will sprout, you know, where it's like you start saying a different, you know, you know, or, or I mean, yeah, it's hard to really police yourself and like be thinking about things and be like frantically Googling something, you know, it's, it's hard to do all these things. At once. Right. And, you know, is one of those things where it's like, you're trying to think of something better to describe what you're talking about. And so it ends up being a filler word. It sounds better than an um to put it in there. But like a like, it's also, you know, just uh, just filler. But, you know, the the TV version is National Football League, right? When when the when like announcers are in ESPN are trying to think of something, they say, you know, in the National Football League, Mm -hmm. that's their way of like, you know, giving themselves an extra second to think about what they're saying. Yeah. So there's a lot of the stuff again. um, you know, probably, you know, Sean Falconer could probably be spending his time in much more productive ways uh, solving the world's problems as opposed to counting our two word phrases. Not a knock. We appreciate it. What do you think would happen if Sean Falconer and Chester like met? Mm. Well, Chester, I feel like does not use a lot of like artificial intelligence in his um, no. research or real intelligence. No. <laughs> Like, I, like Chester is not like a big computer guy, right? No, he wishes, but that's like, uh, yeah, I think Falconer could probably teach. Like, he it. can Google, he could search stuff. Um, mm, like, maybe. I think he has spreadsheets, but I think that you know, uh, Sean, I believe, is a, more of a programmer, right, and more of an advanced math background. I agree. Right, Chester's numbers are kind of bogus if you think about it. Like his Chester quarterback rating. Like, what is that? What's that based on? <laughs> Have you ever seen the formula? And, no, no. And his cursed fan city's uh, rankings. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. What about Jeff P? All right. A bunch of people wrote in and said, according to the inside look, Sandy Barron, plays Jack Klompas, was almost unable to guest star in this episode due to a coma he went in only days before production. Producers searched to, uh, you know, to cast another actor, but Barron came out of his coma in time. I've heard the story before. Do you think that the story is apocryphal? Like, do you think he had I, like a cold? Yeah, I, this, I've, heard, I've heard this story before, and I believe my exact quote today to Amir was, this is an apocryphal Hollywood story that's total BS. <laughs> no way. There's no way. Yeah, he had a migraine. He rallied. <laughs> Where he and told then, him he was in a coma, he was like avoiding someone for a gambling debt. Like, no offense to Sandy Barron or your family, because I don't think you're still here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's not, uh, this didn't happen. <laughs> Okay, we'll probably be hearing from his lawyer next week. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly this did not happen. Yeah, okay. Uh, Craig from Vancouver says, just to clarify, it's only in a couple days, but Jerry was able to get the Cadillac out of the swamp, have it cleaned and repaired in enough time for him, a noted germaphobe, to be able to sleep in it for what could only be one or two days. I don't think the timeline adds up. Yeah, we're on your we're on your team here, Craig. It doesn't hey, make a lot of sense. That's why he had to max out the credit card. He went to the express detailer. Oh, yeah. The detailer may have really sent him back thousands of dollars. You're right. Mm -hmm. He may have had a whole team of guys working on him, especially when Jerry is like, I need this cleaned out and I need it today. That's right. He's like, name your price. And they just made a ridiculous price and he had to pay it. Yeah. Okay. What about Matt and Mass? He says, where does Jack rank amongst all the most unlikable characters throughout the series? Mm, Pretty high. High. I mean, let's let me ask this because let's separate people who are only in one episode. Yeah. Who who are you? Who's a worse person? Who's like going to hell? Jack Klompas 
I don't mean the uh, the actor who lied about being in a coma. The Jack Cl- Jack Klompus or Newman? Who's worse? Hmm. I almost feel like that Newman has uh, more redeeming qualities. I think sure. Newman we've seen has a soft more. side. Yeah, yeah, we've we've seen Newman's passions, uh, Newman's uh, lust for life at different points where. Uh, we've never seen Jack Klompus, uh anything that makes him happy except for, you know, uh, exerting uh, pain on the Seinfelds. I agree. Yeah. Klompus. I mean, maybe we saw more of him. We'd get to see a, a sweet side. But yeah. from what we see, Klompus is basically a monster. And now perhaps if we did a Seinfeld prequel story, maybe uh, Jack Klompus would be like, uh, you know, uh, better call Jack. Um, we could sort of like follow his trajectory towards being a, a nemesis of Morty Seinfeld. Uh, sure. If that ever happens, we're we're right on there. What's Caleb from Atlanta want? Yeah, I think that would be, might be an interesting story too. If we were going to get some sort of like a Seinfeld uh, prequel, uh, who should the character be? Like, it wouldn't be the, if it wasn't going to be somebody from the core four. Okay, so no core four. So you're saying should it be based around the Costanzas and the Seinfelds, the parents? I, I think we did talk about this. Yeah, we talked about the young young uh, Frank and Estelle, right? Yeah, or you could have both of them. You could have both of them. It could be like a This Is Us scenario where like you see them meet mm-hmm. and then it's like flashbacks and I don't know. I only saw one episode of This Is Us, so I'm not totally <laughs> sure what that means. But <laughs> Okay. Uh, then uh, we have Caleb from Atlanta. Uh, now, uh, is he a Falcons fan? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a good okay. question. Well, uh, Sorry, yeah, Chester and Keeve have a lot of questions uh, for you, uh, Caleb, as a uh, Falcons fan, assuming you are one. How mad would you be if you bought your parents a Cadillac and they sold it? I mean, and they gave me the money. I feel like it's a win-win. Like, I get all the credit for giving them a present, yeah, and I have the money. but you bought back. them the Cadillac for, you know, $34,000, and they give you back. Sure. Oh, no, I'd go insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd go absolutely bananas. <laughs> I'd rather them have, like, sold it to buy like, drugs than to give me the $6,000 yeah. back. What about when Jack Klompis accuses Jerry of, like, oh, what do you have, uh, you drugs in the back? That's actually kind of a funny sort of smart line. It's like, why else would be, that is sort of like a movie thing, right? Like, I need to buy this car back. Why? Because I left something valuable in it, you know? Mm-hmm. What does Lindsay have to say? Lindsay. All right. So last week, last week, uh, we said, you know, she mentioned that her family has a farm. Mm-hmm. And we said we were going to take a podcast field trip. We're going to do a live episode at her parents' farm, which I assume is in Canada, because I believe she lives in Canada. Yes. Um, I, well, you know, we don't know that her farm is in Canada. The farm could be in, like, Wisconsin. I, don't, do they I, have I guess in Canada? Not. I guess not. Um, so she says, uh, let me start by saying that a podcast field trip to the farm is the best idea I've ever heard. Oh, the internet, the internet connection there is pretty terrible. I'm already not going <laughs> so that might complicate things, but I feel like the experience would be sufficiently novel that this should happen. On the other hand, this seems like something you would both really hate. Yep. <laughs> but I'm fully on board. Okay. What if all the listeners go and they just hang out, but it's like a convention without the hosts? Yeah. Could we um, get like some one of those like virtual reality type cameras and it could just be like we're there? Yeah. Um, so she says to clarify breaking eggs. We were talking about last week. What does breaking eggs mean? It's not a euphemism, not a euphemism. She was actually bringing her own and other hens eggs. Hence the moniker Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Great email from Lindsay. She also wants to know what would be the best way for Kramer to ask Emily not to sleep over? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just tell her. I mean, he's Kramer. I, I don't think that Kramer dabbles in the like, oh, I don't want to make this person upset. He just says what's on his mind. Also, uh, Emily, like when he says, like, I'm a zombie the next day, Emily should say, like, hey, loser, you don't have a job. Who cares what you are the next day? Right. I'll uh, leave I guess, to right, go to work. So, so, Keith, let's just talk about this for a normal person. Uh, mm-hmm. If they were in this situation, uh, mm-hmm. what what should they do? 
say I'm not feeling well. Could you sleep on the floor? Yeah, I mean, if there's a couch, but again, maybe there's a roommate situation. Yeah, I could sleep on the floor. Yeah, I mean. Especially if the TV's on. I just like fall asleep looking up at the TV. Mm-hmm. Sure. But that's if you have a TV in the bedroom. A lot of a lot of monsters don't have a TV in their bedroom. Yeah. And again, she could have like a small bed. Uh, maybe it looks like not necessarily a queen, but like a full. So yeah, like, right. Or or you could have like the second pull out bed or like pull a couch in there. I mean, if this is going to be a long term relationship, like you'd figure out some sort of uh, you'd figure it out. Right. She also wants to know what would you do if you were George and you had his parents? Do you want your parents in Florida and no inheritance or parents nearby? But you get the inheritance. Um. I don't know. I, it's a weird question for me to answer because that. Well, he's uh, saying I, you're George. Or, he's, she, she specified if you were George. If I'm in this George. scenario, your parents. Oh, no, his Frank parents are so crazy that that the you know he, his parents are in Florida. He's talking about how good the 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 pie tastes. Um, his life is appreciably better with his parents in Florida. Yeah, if your parents are that insane, then it's There's worth no it. dollar you, figure on that that you can. No, pay. you know you couldn't put a price on getting away from the Costanzas. Like, and listen, you're hearing someone who moved thousands of miles from their parents. Right. And it's not like this is going to be like a, you know, billion dollar trust fund he's going to inherit. Right. No, of course. Obviously. Yeah. If you know, I, I, th- we should take it back. You know, there is a dollar price, but it's not the pr- the amount of money that they have. OK. Right. For a billion dollars, I could let uh, Frank and Estelle live near me. All right. Let's check um, in with uh, Dan, the benefactor, who says, if you want a stock option correspondent, here is fact checking from the entire stock option storyline. A little bit of a backstory on how Dan has become our benefactor, I guess. Uh, it's plausible, but it is a stretch. Assuming that Jay Peterman is the majority shareholder, he could unilaterally make Elaine the CEO. When the accountant recommended to the board of directors that Elaine be fired, Peterman could overrule the accountant and tell the board not to fire Elaine. Elaine, the CEO, can't fire the board of directors or the accountant working for them, but Peterman, the majority shareholder, can, so they have to do what he wants. Once the board realized that they were stuck with Elaine, it makes sense they'd update her compensation to include stock options so she has direct incentive to make the stock price go up. And it's possible that when Peterman comes back, the board, who doesn't like Elaine, would be very happy to take back the offer. If Elaine had a golden parachute as part of her deal, then she probably would have gotten to keep some of the stock options. But since she is in over her head, she probably didn't negotiate that. Still, the whole thing is a stretch because as a publicly traded company, when the stock was tanking as evidenced by it going all the way up when Peterman comes back and the CEO was involved in an accounting scandal, there would be a lot of public pressure to fire her, even though Peterman is the majority shareholder and legally could keep Elaine in charge. He still could be sued by the other shareholders for her incompetence. But if those drugs in Myanmar were as good as it sounds, maybe he just didn't care. Now, is it weird that Dan the Benefactor is throwing himself like that email just cost him like eight bucks because he pays a dollar a minute for us to go over an hour right to charity? Well, it's <laughs> that was not, the longest look, email in the history of the show. Well, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about with. Uh, yeah, no, for this whole matters, thing was just him so. bragging that he's like a fancy finance guy. Yes. So you think that that was like the equivalent <laughs> of him, like just like lighting dollar bills on fire? Totally. Totally. That was a total F you move. He's like. <laughs> Wow. Next week he's going to Are you trying like to stick it to us, Dan? Are you trying to stick it to us? Listen, he's just giving money to charity. He's just that type of guy. Yeah. He could be sticking it to us. All right. Amir says, how does Kramer wake up and see the doorknob moving from his bed? Morty is doing his exercise in the hallway door. There's absolutely no way Kramer could see that from inside his bedroom. Should we assume that Kramer randomly moves his bed to the living room? The whole thing doesn't make any sense. I, you know, a bunch of people asked about the, the um, makeup of Kramer's apartment. Mm-hmm. 
Are we 100% sure he has a separate bedroom? Like, I, I'm never certain about that. I feel like that somebody at one point, I feel like we talked about this. Uh, is there a floor plan of Kramer's apartment? Kramer's I think there is. I believe apartment. there is. I think there's like Kramer's apartment.com or something. Floor plan. Uh, let me just bring this up. Okay. Fantasy floor plan uh, for the residents of Seinfeld and Jerry. So we look at this. We can take a look at the blueprint. And so, you know, it looks like the Kramer has a couple of different rooms over here. Uh, if I bring this, if I bring this up. This is just like a small picture of it. But yeah, it looks like Kramer has multiple rooms in his apartment. I also can't imagine that they're consistent. But um, yeah, I don't know. Amir also says, as much as George doesn't like Elaine sticking it to him, doesn't he like saving money more? He should just be happy to get the free coffee. I can't imagine he would prioritize this so much that he'd go out and pay for an expensive fancy dinner for six people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. It's a, a good point. You know, there's a lot of people with different things going on in terms of his cheapness versus his pettiness. Uh, so I guess we find out that uh, his pride is more important than his uh, cheapness. All right. I, again, this episode has cheap people acting in uncheap ways for some reason. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, uh, the Charles Oakley to your Jim Dolan, uh, Chester writes in to say, why does Jerry have to fly all the way back down to Florida the second time? Can't Klompus just tell him about the accident over the phone? Also, how come by the time Jerry gets down to Florida, Klompus still hasn't changed or showered since the accident? Again, we don't know the timeline, but he's still, where is he going to shower? Like he's near in the, with the alligators in Alligator Alley. Like, yeah. He's not, he may he's not, not be close showering. to home. Right. No. So then Chester asks, it could have been worse for George. Rather than deciding between staying in Queens, where George gets the money, and going to Florida, where George gets the freedom, they could have chosen to move to the city, where they would torment him from even closer and burn through the money far faster than Florida. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Maybe they could buy move some like Chester's fancy, building. tiny. Well, I don't know if they could afford that. Yeah. That's some real high roller stuff. <laughs> okay. And then finally, Chester wants to know, why does Sarah Silverman agree to move into the Costanza house in Queens? Her issue with Kramer wasn't sharing a bed. It was his screaming, which wouldn't be any better from a separate bed four feet away. Could you imagine, by the way, what kind of loser? Like, Sarah Silverman is, you know, this attractive, nice, like, 20-something girl is going to move with her much older boyfriend Mm -hmm. who doesn't have a job to his friends parents like abandoned house in queens like how desperate we don't know much about this emily sarah silverman character in this episode but she has to be hitting rock bottom if this is what's happening yeah um i would say that yeah she probably is i mean she's probably uh not the first young woman in her you know mid-20s uh you know in new york to hit rock bottom and end up in some sort of like untenable situation so it happens keith I guess, but li- like it's your friend, it's your boyfriend's friends, like crazy, smelly parents' house. Yeah, um, that smells like kasha varnishka. <laughs> um, what are you gonna do? I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's it. You know, she's she'll do better. She'll do better. Mm-hmm. Things are on the you know the up and up for her. The upswing for Sarah Silverman. I would agree. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right, Keith. What's the hashtag today? Oh, uh, what did I say earlier in the episode? All right, let's just go with, uh, how about strawberry pie? Sold. That was good. That was a good moment. Okay. Eve, next week, what's coming up? Yeah, this time it's for real. No fake out. It's Are you actually, sure? I'm quite certain. Uh, the comeback. Uh, the C was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the jerk store 
is calling, and they're calling for you, and uh, we will be talking about it all next week. Very excited uh, for that. Of course, a uh, big thanks to Scott St. Pierre for all of his fine work editing the Seinfeld Post Show recap, and also to Mike Moore, who writes the recap and is probably uh, on absolute cloud nine after his Patriots come back in the Super Bowl. Well, cloud five. It's only their fifth Super Bowl. I'm sure they'll get the nine before they're done. Pretty soon. Pretty soon. Okay. Uh, Keeve, uh, I know you guys talked through the Super Bowl on uh, 32 fans this week. I heard you uh, you, you were kind of down. Uh, why was Chester down? Why wasn't he like uh, more excited? I know he should like the Patriots, right? That would stay in character. But we both hate the Patriots. People said why does it was he like, hate the Patriots? Well, they're detestable. If you're not a Patriots fan, you should hate the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he this coming week we're ranking. No, how could you be neutral about the Patriots? Who's neutral about them? <laughs> yeah. I guess that was an exciting game. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, I guess uh, if you root for the game, then fine. But it's just the same team winning every year is not fun. My yeah. dad, is he took my mom out to dinner during, during the Super Bowl. He didn't want to watch. He knew. He doesn't want to watch the Patriots win. So he, he figured they'd win and he got some points. Like the, the date during the Super Bowl definitely scores you a lot of points. You could like mess up 30 times and, and be like, what do you mean? Like I, I took you out during the Super Bowl. You can't mm-hmm. beat that. Yeah. So you just take Valentine's Day off the table if you do the uh, dinner during the Super Bowl? Oh, it's like 100 Valentine's Days. Wow. Pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Um, Keeve, very excited to get back after it next week, of course. So uh, we love to hear your comments on postshowrecaps.com. We'll be back to talk more Seinfeld uh, once again. Keith, anything else? Uh, see you next week. See you next week. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.